Welcome to the Buddha Belly Life Podcast, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome, a mind-body-soul approach to life, starting with your gut. Join me, Coach Britt, as I interview top wellness entrepreneurs and microbiome science geeks, and together we mastermind a bucket list kind of life while building the ultimate vessel to live it in. Welcome to your Buddha Belly Life. Don't forget to take notes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Buddha Belly Life podcast. I'm Coach Britt and welcome to session three of Overgrown, where we're joined again by Tracy Merritt, a regional account manager and functional medicine consultant with Microbiome Labs, where we have been discussing specifically um, overgrowth, the issue of bacterial overgrowth, what it's causing, and um, specifically SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. The prevalence of it is so much greater than I believe most people know. Um, conventional medicine is still quite in the dark about this and many, many unanswered uh, conditions and issues that people have um, we're finding are, can be very, very commonly tied to this this condition of the body being, you know, having a state of SIBO. Um, so today we're going to, we're going to rejoin um, with Tracy where she was talking all about her story with SIBO. Um, she's given us some rad science on some of the most cutting edge and evolving science regarding um, the gut microbiome and specifically SIBO. And she, today we're going to have her back to discuss a little bit more about the solution about what she did, right? Welcome back, yes. Tracy. Yes, thanks so much for having me, Brittany. And yeah, this is, uh, it's so fun to talk gut health and SIBO and then what we can do about it, definitely. Totally. And so, so you, like you were telling me, you you struggled for, you know, just to recap for you guys, you know, she was a new mom. She had young kids, which is something I like, we talk about a lot because that is a lot of people's stories. How the heck, can we take care of our children? That's the worst thing, chronic illness, and especially what they call invisible illness, where mm-hmm. people don't really know anything's wrong with you. They don't have an answer for you. Um, when pe- only people are dealing with this, especially women, and having to caretake for children and family members, and we just can't, it's, it's almost an impossibility. And so to not have answers, to not have something that we can work, like move forward or look forward to, um, her story is going to help a lot of people, um, you know, maybe turn some light bulbs on, you know, give some hope for something that you feel, you know, if you're, if you're being told that there's just no answer for what, what, what you're dealing with. Um, so from excessive weight loss to extreme stomach viruses, to skin issues, to all these unexplained things. And then you said like absolute, um, almost a manic episode, essentially of not being able to sleep ever postpartum, even wasn't just because a baby, that's when you should be yeah. crashing, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So a year it took you to get to a place where after they told you, it was just stress over and over, mm-hmm. right? So it took a year before you got to a place where someone said SIBO. So what then, how did your journey begin at that point? Yeah, uh, so that was about eight years ago and SIBO was pretty brand new on the scene at that point. The SIBO breath test had just launched. Uh, so I was pretty new to have got that test done. It tested positive. Uh, and the thought process then was to either do an antibiotic called rifaximin uh, that's still used sometimes now or antimicrobials. So you could go two different routes. Antimicrobials would be things like uh, olive leaf, oil of oregano, garlic, neem, things like that. Uh, so I thought, well, 
I think I, an antibiotic is what got me here, um, you know, set me up to have a lot of this health issues. So I'm going to go the other route and do these antimicrobials. And so I was seeing a naturopath and we were just rotating high dose antimicrobials, which I will have to say fast forward, um, gosh, a year of rotating antimicrobials. I had made some headway, but as you know, and probably talk to your listeners is we used to think it would not touch the good bacteria, but we now know high dose antimicrobials, they will start to kill off your good bacteria. So although I was making some headway with SIBO, I went backward in developing a horrendous histamine intolerance uh, and histamine intolerance is going to present. I was going to say, can you elaborate a little bit yeah. on histamine intolerance? Because this is common. And yes, so common when there's gut dysbiosis or, or SIBO even, or both histamine intolerance is very common. And so uh, it could be flushing. It could be, um, uh, diarrhea for, so for me, it would send me to the bathroom 10 times a day. So where the SIBO symptoms had got better. Now I was trapped at home. Uh, just, I had to be near a bathroom. Um, so f- if you're eating, which is something a lot of people don't talk about and they deal with and they don't talk about because who wants to admit that or talk about that? So things just get worse. It's so true. And um, if you ever feel like you eat leftovers and then don't feel very good afterward, because there's bacteria starting to grow and the histamine gets higher and higher on bacteria, or I'm sorry, on um, uh, foods that have been sitting in the refrigerator. Um, Fish can be really high histamine. So there's a lot of foods that fall into this high histamine category. Wine. Wine. Like a lot of people, they're like, I would get really flushed if I'd have, you know, wine or something that they just like, their whole face gets red. Like, and yes, that's how I was. It would be my ears. My ears would get bright red. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I made a couple steps forward, but a couple steps back. And Mm -hmm. uh, now again, with just the more cutting edge science, we know, okay, that might not be the best way to go. So luckily, we've had some advancements and know we really can use a lot of the good guys, which was a, a no-no, you know, eight years ago, it was do not take probiotics. If you have SIBO, you're going to make it worse. Because there's again, add more bacteria there's too many bacteria there. Yes. And we also thought, uh, like in the last episode, we talked about Originally, they thought it was good bacteria overgrown in the small intestine. So if you add probiotics, you're adding fuel to the fire where we now being able to identify what microbes are overgrown in the small intestine. There might be some that are are the good guys, but there's a lot of staph, strep, um, a lot of other pathogens actually that are causing SIBO for so many people. Mm. So it's almost like, I mean, it's almost like the dysbiosis, which when we say dysbiosis means an um, an imbalanced ratio of bacteria from good to bad of what's ideal, you know, what's ideal to maintain a healthy ecosystem in the gut. And so it's almost like when there is a dysbiosis, which means a, way more of the pathogenic bacteria than should be there, that it's like forcing its way higher yes into the body like it's it's residing higher mostly there it's not a lot of the good bacteria that's really getting there that's really interesting 
Yeah. So um, I would say the way I was able to eventually get rid of it, which it took me about two years. So just know for anybody who's got SIBO, it's a journey. Uh, It's not something that always will go away in, in two to three months, but we've got to not just address the overgrowth. We've got to address how you got it and the, the bigger root cause, um, because SIBO is a secondary condition to something bigger going on. Mm-hmm. And to touch on that with like antibiotics and probiotics, so antibiotics, like you said, you had been on antibiotics and you developed SIBO and they didn't help. Like they made your skin, like you said in the last episode, um, they gave you antibiotics for your skin at the time that you didn't know was correlated to your gut and it made your skin worse. It, they thought it would help, but it made it worse. And it's likely because it killed even more bacteria because anti, you know, biotic means, you know, life. So anti-life means to kill it. But, um, but what we know about antibiotics is that they decimate a lot of bacteria. It's not like they just go for the pathogenic bacteria. They decimate a lot of it. And sometimes they don't touch some of those pathogens that may be causing us the biggest grief. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, on that. Yep, exactly. So you're, that's you're right, like C. diff. And- yes. Yeah, because when we take an antibiotic, um, now rifaximin is a little different, and I'll explain how it's it's a little different, but your traditional antibiotics are just going to be like dropping a bomb on your microbiome. Um, you'll never get rid of everything to the 100th degree, So, but those little bits left the pathogens are going to grow back way faster. And that's where a lot of times, if many of you have taken an antibiotic, you might get um, thrush afterward from yeast, or you might get like a yeast infection or a C. diff, like you're mentioning, because you've got rid of all those good protective bacteria and the pathogens will grow back quicker. So there's so much we can do now to help remedy if you even have to take an antibiotic, because there might be a time... You just have to, right? If you have mm-hmm. surgery or something, you've got to take it. Yeah, I mean, and, and antibiotics were, I mean, when they were invented, it was like, I mean, it's a miracle for certain things. Um, but what happened is we ended up just throwing them at everything. You know, we've got, we've got our kids constantly being given antibiotics for, you know, viral ear infections yes. left and right, you know, where antibiotic doesn't even touch a viral infection. Um, mm-hmm. And just over and over and over and we're just decimating our bodies. Oh, not to mention there's antibiotics in our food. I mean, that'll, yes. that can be a whole nother set of episodes, you know, of things. But yeah, so we have the probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, so pro, you know, anti means anti-life. Probiotic means pro, you know, life essentially in layman's terms. And yeah. so how did, you know, is there a place for probiotics? Like you said, they, originally it was a no-no. Um, yeah. Is it still a no-no with certain probiotics though? Because that's the thing. Not all probiotics are created equal. That's how that's how Tracy and I connected. That's how, you yes. know, we're not just pushing microbiome labs right now, although we do partner with them and, and use their product because they just have top shelf stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But not yeah. all probiotics are created equal. There's a lot that, you know, tell us, go into that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so... Just to follow up on the rifaximin, that one they say will stay isolated only in the small intestine. So many Mm -hmm. of you may have tried it or um, if you would like to try it, that's still an option. But again, I think like what you're saying, Brittany, there are options to use probiotics. Um, If you need to for a short period of time to use an antimicrobial, that may be needed. But really, we can use the good guys to crowd out the bad guys. And like you said, not all probiotics 
products are created equal. So um, we basically at Microbiome Labs have created the first all spore-based probiotic. It's using five different bacillus spores, but there's some really unique factors about bacillus spores. So um, one thing first is these have actually been used since the 1950s in Europe as a prescription. So they're relatively new to the United States, but these have been used, I mean, for decades and decades. And a very real uh, interesting story that your listeners might like is the way they found bacillus spores. So the way they even found these and what they do is in 1950, when World War II was going on, the German soldiers had gone to North Africa and they were, were getting a lot of dysentery. And the North Africans, when they would get dysentery, they would eat dried camel dung and it would get it rid of it. And so they were feeding these German soldiers with dysentery, dried camel dung, and it was- Which is what you want to eat when you have dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> but who would have known, right? So these German scientists go out there, they take some of it back, they isolate it, and they found Bacillus subtilis and Bacillus clausi. And that is how this German prescription came about. And it's being used in Latin America and Europe. Little did we all know here in the U.S., right? And so Quran at Microbiome Labs um, ended up formulating this five bacillus strain probiotic. So, okay, so it can help things like dysentery, but what else can they do? What's making them different than lacto and bifido bacteria uh, probiotic blends is we know that lacto and bifido really aren't hardy enough to survive that harsh gastric system. So we were talking about that hydrochloric acid. It is a protective mechanism. And if you ever have That's to probably take why pill- so many products, they try to do the special capsule soles or keep them in the fridge or all these things. And we're like, the gut's going to decimate it when it hits you yes. because those are the, the strains that they're focusing on. Yep, exactly. And now um, people might feel a little better when they take a lacto bifido blend. So um, I definitely wouldn't say it's it's not having any benefit. There is some research right now that you'll even see us start to talk about it more about even how the bacteria dead in the large intestine can't, some strains can confer a health benefit. Um, but they're not adjusting and going after the dysbiosis like we thought they were for so long. So these bacillus spores sit in like a hard uh, endospore, which I like to call it an armadillo shell. So they're going to sit in this hard shell. They don't open up and become active until they're past the gastric system. They open up in in the gut and they become active and they start producing things like short chain fatty acids to feed all that good gut bacteria. But here's the other great part. They produce antimicrobial compounds. So they act like an antimicrobial herb but you're using the good guys to produce these compounds and compete with the pathogens. And they'll, and we call them a competitive excluder. So they're going to crowd out basically the pathogenic overgrowth in the small intestine and, or in the large intestine. That's amazing to me. Like I love, I love the science of that. That's like, you know, why we work with this, but so let me reiterate a little bit for people. Um, layman's it just a little bit and tell me yeah. if I am missing something on this. So basically this is like an, an, an undercover, you know, let's say, uh, what do, what do you call it? What are the, the why am I th- missing the word on this? The sea ships. Like what are the, 
Oh, I can't speak of it. Sorry. You know, submarine. It's like a submarine, right? That's going in the water and it's like bomb proof. And your, your little, your army doesn't get out until it makes it its way all the way to shore. So instead of taking the ship that the enemy can take out or bomb or the weather tips the ship over a storm comes in and knocks it out or kills a crew. Instead, we put them in a submarine that's below the water that makes it to the destination and they can get out there and do their job. And then so basically what these spores are doing when they open up is not only are they caretaking. um, So with the, with the short chain fatty acids, um, what are those doing for the gut environment? So it's producing short chain fatty acids, which are doing what? to help the gut yeah. environment. Yeah, they are the favorite fuel source of your good gut bacteria. They use it so for like energy. They're feeding their buddies there. They brought yep. food and fuel. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, to improve in numbers. And I will tell you what, it, the science is showing uh, gut diversity is the hallmark of health. So we've got to have a diverse amount of microbes in there and in good enough numbers. And that's what the spores can do is they're going to feed your good guys and they're going to help diversify. And here's a couple of things just so people don't get worried. You, you might hear the word spore and you think mold spore, that must be bad. Um, will they become overgrown? Will they turn on me? Um, they will not become pathogenic and they will pass through the stool about every 21 to 28 days. So they're not going to just create this huge amount and become overgrown either. So it's like they're just planted in there doing work for you and then they leave yes. when they're done. It's like exactly. elf on the shelf for your gut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah. It, I like really to do analogies. Yes. Yeah. It really is fascinating. And if you um, ever want to look up again at like a kind of a science nerd term, it's called quorum sensing. And that is the way microbes talk to one another. So again, you know, we're here having this human experience, but microbes are so intelligent and they've got their own way of talking just like we do. They send chemical signals, they identify one another, they count one another. So the, the bacillus spores are doing the exact same thing. And that's how they can identify these pathogen overgrowths, sit next to it and start producing these antimicrobial compounds to crowd them out. Mm-hmm. And to wrap up, I guess, and elaborate on that concept, what is interesting to me, and if you guys will, if you ever hear me talk about the gut, you'll hear me say it like the internal seek ecosystem is almost just like a representation just as our external ecosystem is how our how our nature needs you know has all these different species of animals and plants and things that create you know create oxygen and and this and air and water and all these things that work together our gut is just like that and so you know it may sound weird to say that your gut microbes can communicate but how the heck does a bunch of birds fly together and turn on a dime Because they're communicating. Animals in nature communicate. These are species that just happen to live in our body on a small level. It's like having a bunch of them there doing work for you for your health, right? Yeah. And so the bacillus spores, why you might choose that uh, to be part of a SIBO protocol is not going to be just that antimicrobial uh, part of it, but also that it can begin to stimulate the proteins of the tight junctions that have become uh, loosened and that's what's created 
created leaky gut, right? We've got those holes in the, the gut lining. It will stimulate those cells to come closer together and less LPS that we talked about in the last episode, that uh, toxin that can go up to the base of the brainstem, uh, somewhat paralyze that migrating motor complex, which is moving your food through to digest at a good rate. Um, so the more we can heal the gut, not just go after the overgrowth in the small intestine, but heal more toward the root cause, heal up the large intestine and heal up that gut lining. Now we're getting to the bigger picture. So we've got to um, reduce inflammation, heal the gut lining and get that food moving through at a more adequate rate or it will come right back, even if you use antimicrobials or rifaximin. So yeah, so common treatment is just to kill off, basically, kill off the bad stuff because we have an overgrowth, so we must kill it. Whereas this approach, while it takes patience, it's just like, um, you know, long-term weight loss or something as opposed to quick weight loss. It it doesn't co- come back as easy if we're tending to the whole ecosystem of the gut. So these types of probiotics that we're talking about are going to go in and help with the entire ecosystem and functionality of the gut with mm-hmm. with the lipo- lipopolysaccharide issue and with yes. the leaky gut issue, with the brain gut communication that's causing stagnation in the mm-hmm. gut and not processing food, as well as feed the good bacteria so you have a bit better, stronger army, as well as work against the pathogenic bacteria, as opposed to just targeting the pathogenic bacteria like we originally thought. That yeah, is amazing. That perfect, oh my gosh. Perfect overview. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's great, Tracy. So thank you so much for this episode, you guys. Again, take notes, please, you know, rewatch if you can. I hope you're learning and I hope it's it's giving you hope and empowerment and education. And it's just, you know, firing you up to learn more about this stuff. And we have one more session with Tracy that's coming up next week. Um, and so I look forward to that. And thank you guys for joining today. Thanks for joining us in this week's Buddha Belly Life podcast. For more episodes, coaching resources, and gut programs, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. Don't forget to put us in your schedule for next week. And remember, keep showing up and enjoy the journey.